Hello, welcome to Mark Langley's Horsemanship Podcast, a podcast helping people to understand their horses better, to provide solutions in a calm, connected way. I'm Jenny Barnes. And I'm Mark Langley. Hi Mark, the first question I've got for you today is from Coral. She would like to know, have you found any breeds of horses that are easier to connect with than others? She's finding that she can find it quite easy to connect and read standard breads off the track. She's got four of them and has had great a riding horse with each of them. But when she's tried with um, a green horse, uh, which has been a quarter or thoroughbred cross, and some station breads, it hasn't turned out quite as well. She's found them harder to develop progress with. She's just wondering what your thoughts are. Um, it's, it's interesting what you said because um, sometimes you get standard breads off the track, um, and depending on, uh, boy, I don't want to sound. And it's an interesting question. It's a, it's a question that I'll answer briefly, but I won't answer too much because I, I don't want to sound horsist. Um, you don't offend anyone. I don't want to offend anyone with a different breed or anything. But um, so, so um, I found over the years all horses are open, and you know all you know. But there are some horses that are more stoic than others. Um, so what I find is there are some pony breeds, and there's some uh, you know in the quarter horses you can get some quite stoic horses, and they've got strong opinions and they block out very easy. Um, and they, yeah, sometimes come with some of the colder bred horses than possibly the hotter bred horses. Now, I'm not, I'm, this is a bit of a blanket thing because I've, I've had some really soft, you know, open quarter horses, warm bloods, all sorts of things, you know, that have, have come through and they're just, just really easy to connect with. Interesting, though, what you say about off-the-track horses because some of those off-the-track horses are the, the more stoic um, standies, which, you know, the big heavier head ones, you know, the more square eyes, sunken eyes, opposed to those sort of round-eyed, sort of more thoroughbred looking ones. Um, so some of those real heavy ones, the heavy set um, ones, I've found if they've really sort of, you know, started to shut out, things then they're harder to connect with because of but but they're harder to connect with because of what's happened to them not that then I don't think they came out of their mums like that necessarily it's just what's happened to them so so you've probably been lucky in getting a few ones off the track that are still open uh, generally just sort of still nervous about things and just hadn't quite got it they haven't started to get the states that really you know shut out um, human interaction um, so but you know I've always like, you know, I, I sometimes say, so someone says, oh, what do you mean square eye, round eye? Um, I find the round eye, what I mean is the horses that are more the, 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 the round eye horses, the ones that tend to be um, the, the more highly strung, hotter horses, the Arabs, you know, the, the slightly more highly strung thoroughbreds, that sort of thing. They're, they're super easy to, to read in the sense that they're, they're constantly wearing their emotions on their sleeve all the time. Um, so they're, they're constantly on the go. So... Which, which, which I found makes, for me, it's, you know, it, that talk, they, they were the horses that taught me where to stand, when to back off, when not to move, you know, um, how far past the eye I can get away with if I was drafting a few young ones, whatever it was, um, just like drafting, you know, wild cattle versus, you know, versus sort of quiet cattle, I suppose. Um, and I guess being, you know, so, um, so, um, yeah, wearing everything on their sleeve and doing like doing everything that they're thinking all the time. 
those horses were kind of easy to connect with because it was a constant dialect and you and you could sort of set it up that the conversation happened whereas the the horses that kind of hid in the fence a little when they're under a certain amount of pressure and just sort of shut out and went blah 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 they were a little harder to connect with because um they weren't giving you as much they just sort of you know like the kid that goes sits in the corner and just um hides a little bit some horses uh, were more prone to that um and i found the ones that were prone to that were sort of sometimes going along those uh, the, the the lines of um uh, the you know the slightly colder breeds the, the quarter horses and things like that um so i don't know if i've answered your question yet i'm just trying to uh, so, so i'm guessing that you know i think what 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 you'll find is if it's a sort of a very expressionate sort of slightly hotter feeling horse um it's going to be very easy to interpret and make the right decisions to gain a better connection um, than the horses that sort of block out very quickly. But then in saying that, when you see a horse sort of start to shut you out and you make the right decision and open up, they can also be very soft uh, uh, horses that, 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 you know, uh, that still have a strong bond with people. But um, in the sense of, of the horses that don't need us as much, I find the stronger the stronger horses, the stoic horses, the, the mares that don't need another horse, the ones that can sort of are not so needy, um, they're the ones that um, sometimes are a little harder to connect with because they, they don't really need all the things that we can offer them as much as another horse goes, oh thanks, you just did something and made me feel better or I like your goal, you scratch me or this is really good, they really, you know, you know it's those um, quite quite stoic horses and I've found that in some of your sort of, you know, you know um, stronger mares and stuff like that and stock horses that, are, that have been a bit like that quite quite stoic uh, but also in the in the pony breeds and in the um sort of halflingery type breeds those you know they can they can you can get one of those that's just like i don't need anybody i don't need i don't really need other horses much either um and and those ones um so harder to motivate sort of harder to connect with and stuff like that um but but yeah, that, that, well that's that's my answer to the question anyway. But every breed I've found a really open, sensitive one that's quite needy, and then every breed I've I've also found, um, you know, ones that are quite stoic. But um, I must admit, in the sort of I did a lot of Arabs over the years, and I found um, the Arabs and 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 I really like thoroughbreds. I find them really friendly horses. Um, I found them that they were really easy to connect with and, and always open to communicate. Um, so so I did 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 enjoy those. Yeah, and the softness that they that they can mm. get as well. Okay, um, and Narelle has a question for you. She's been working with a gazer and a shutout horse, and she'd like to know, is it normal to have to go back to harder lessons? She seems to have a sort of a cycle at the moment where she'll have um, some really good lessons and then she'll come right back to the beginning and have this really tough lesson. So um, the horse that she's got at the moment, she can kind of get a breakthrough and she can get a horse really nice and soft and then another day or the next day that they come in um, she finds that the horse is just really hard to connect with and is gazing off into the distance again it's kind of like oh here we go back to the beginning so is that sort of cycle of events is that quite normal um, when you're dealing with a really strong gazer stroke shutout horse um, or is it that perhaps what she's doing isn't quite enough to kind of get that horse to go forward yeah, there's probably a few answers in there. Um, it's um, I have had horses that have come to clinics of clients that I've I've known for a little while, and 
Um, and we've had these kind of days where the horse, you know, was just awesome. It'd tune in really quick. Um, it'd, it'd soften. It'd, it'd, it'd just center itself really quick. Then the next day, you really had to work hard. And and um, and, the, and, the, and the student might be working on what we did the day before because the day before I said do that and I think this is going to be really good for your horse and the next day I've come in and I've done something completely opposite out of the blue and said you know I might have done something big or done something completely backed right off the horse and they said oh well, why would you do that today and I said well it just felt right for that horse and that's the hardest thing we're teaching you know people a bit of feel and, and, and you know what to do and when to do it is some days you just feel like you don't want to do much and that's going to be the best thing for that horse and other days you you got to you got to you got to press the horse a little bit and say um you know let go of that and and there is a space in here and it's very hard you know to give you the correct answer in that respect um but there is something I will say which I think you might want to look at with your horse um that you might just want to try anyway is the thing I say is do something uh, expect uh, sorry do a little bit expect a lot not do a lot expect a little bit so there's some days your horse might come in in its anxiety it might have you know a little bit more anxiety than another day so the day when it's got a bit more anxiety that was running around in the herd, there was things happening prior to you getting it in that's brought it in a little bit up, more gazy, um, so it feels completely different than the day before. So that, that that's something you might be also dealing with too, which means you've got to get on top of that. So the days that your horse might come in sort of random and anxious, that's where I'd really say do something, uh, do, do, a, do a little bit but expect a lot. So you would help your horse tip the worry out and do a couple of things just to make your horse feel good with you or following the feel that you've offered and then say that's that's all um, I'm not going to ask a lot of you um, you don't want to sort of burden it with too much education because sometimes and also then I would also look at the days that your horse is feeling good you could use that approach on those days as well and try that a little bit do, do um, a little bit expect a lot so um, you might say okay I'm just going to work on this one little thing that I know you can do but I think that you're not quite with it so I'm going to just expect a little bit more connection to what what, I'm, what you're doing it could be just a simple backwards and forwards lesson in hand whatever it is and then the horse gets it really good and then you just say I might leave you there because um, you don't want to get in a habit of when the horse is feeling good progressing and learning and progressing and learning and maybe um, not Doing, doing too many things and not doing those things well enough that the horse feels really good in them. So, and that's usually when our horse is feeling good is when we try and bite off a bit more and teach them a bit more so we keep progressing. But it's the times that we start to do that that we actually, um, some of the things that we're asking the horse didn't quite feel good about um, and we might have left them thinking, oh, well, they're still learning that. Whereas I think every little new thing we're teaching the horse, um, whether it be in respect to following a feel, is the horse got to feel good doing it. So we're only progressing as much as we could ask the horse to feel good at something for a little while to get more consistency. So so the horse starts to feel good with the education when it comes in. So there's no worry about, oh crikey, that last day that I came in feeling good, I left feeling like I did a lot of stuff and I wasn't quite with it. So so you don't want to you know have that situation. So. Um, on the good days, 
do a few things that get the horse feeling good. On the bad days, do the same thing, just but maybe do a little less, in the sense that the horse comes in and goes, oh, reset, good, thanks, and 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 then they feel good about coming in, and then until your horse is getting to a more even stage, that when you come in, when it might have had a bad night or been running around with other horses, coming with anxiety, but as soon as you pick up on the feel, and maybe or it comes in with you, it sort of goes, oh, thank, thanks, I'm in here, I feel good now, and the worry tips out then you can start to sort of, you know, get a bit more consistency and start to progress along a bit more. But go through all the things that your horse knows and really figure out if the horse is feeling okay with them, uh, the things that you've already taught it. Um, because I think, like most horses that I get that come to clinics, the horse is doing a lot of, th a lot of things and they're not doing any one of those things um, very well, as in they're not doing it very well and they're not feeling very good about doing it either. And that's where education becomes a burden, and then you'll get this up, down, up, down, and um, and, and and yeah, it won't won't be as consistent. Wow, I, I really like your answers, to that Mark. Um, and I remember watching you um, training horses when you were taking on horses um, to start, and um, you'd be working away with a particular horse on one tiny little thing and it may be a tiny little movement but I'd watch you work away on it work away on it and that horse was so focused on you and what you were asking it to do there wasn't sort of any room for it to be distracted but once that lesson was over it was over and um, did, I remember you sort of looking at you as a teacher you had quite a high expectation from your students and, uh, and I think they rose to it you know you expected them to be present and you expected them to be um, you know, listening to what you were asking them to do, and they did. Um, and the last question today is from Ruth Ampara, and she says that she is loving the way that you teach your leading exercises. She has a horse that she's restarting, who doesn't have a lot of brace built into her, but she is a bit sluggish. And then she has a mare that she's riding who has a lot of brace, and when she gets to pick up the lead or the rein and she's sort of adjusting the way that she's teaching both of them. Um, she's working out how to get them both to be soft and follow a lead, but she has one specific question. So she used to do some chasing with the flag, and what she would do is get her horses to move with a kiss or a cluck sound, and then if they didn't respond, she'd come in with the flag or the stick. What she'd like to know is, it now that she knows that that chasing is, is not good and she, she's trying to get rid of that habit, is it still okay though for her to use those sounds, that click and the, and the kiss? Um, obviously it used to come with the, with the pressure of the flag chasing them, but she won't have that. Do you think it's still okay to use those sounds? Um, it, it's okay and you'll hear me use a cluck and a kiss and things like that to get a horse to search. And, but it's not in a sequence. Um, so sometimes I'll put the... You know, if I use a flag, I'll bang the flag first before I ask with the feel. The reason is, is, is to get the horse aware, and then when I pull on the feel, the horse is more aware and not sluggish. Um, so, it's so um, and if I did pop a flag, it'd get the horse to push into the pressure instead of come off the flag. So, um, so for a sluggish horse, if you were going to kiss cluck, and, and I don't mind you still using a flag, as long as you're using it to get the horse closer to the question so I'll say that saying that I say this all the time at clinics and I'll repeat it on podcasts a lot of the time is a flag is not there to get the horse further from the flag or if you were using a stick or something whatever whatever that uh, uh, tool that you're using is like so so in the respect of the, the, what I would use is if I'm using a, a little flag 
The flag's not there to get the horse further from the flag or closer to the flag so that you're not drawing the horse to the flag, you're not getting the horse to focus on the flag, you're not getting the horse to move away from the flag, you're not getting it to run away from the flag. The, the flag's there to get the horse closer to the question. So the flag is just a, um, a, a thing that gets the horse to let go of maybe shutting out, uh, like going, oh, I'm shutting out, I'm shutting out, there's pressure on my head, I'm just going into another place. So the pop of the flag says, don't go to that place, and the horse goes, oh, oh, and then it pushes and goes, oh, there's a boundary on my head, oh, what should I do, oh, I might come forward. So, so, so that, in that respect, the flag would cause the horse to wriggle, search, uh, search into a boundary, and then come forward. The reason why that is uh, advantageous in the whole big picture or long scheme of things is you taught the horse not to pull back at the same time you're teaching it to lead forward by letting the horse pull back a little because pulling back is searching and while they're in their hand they're safe so that's for a dull horse you know your dull one just doesn't come off the lead very good um, you, the flag wakes them up a little bit pushes them pushes they, they push back and then they go oh that's not working I might come forward and that's what's going to happen if you're not there and they're eventually hard tied to something is they're going to push back and go I know the answer I'm going to come forward whereas if you use the stick or a flag or a cluck or anything to just say come forward if the horse always thought cluck means come forward or stick up the ribs or flag behind it means move away from that pressure then you just have a cue on their head and the stick makes them come forward whereas what I'm saying is the flag made the horse actually push back a little um, whereas if your stick or your flag or your cluck just makes the horse come forward then feel on its head is just a cue to come forward the horse hasn't actually pushed back it's, all that's happened is the pressure's come onto its pole and then all of a sudden something else has made it come forward. So um, if the horse has been clicked a lot of times that it always instinctively just goes, oh, that means go forward, then the click might be a bit of a hindrance because it's actually making the horse come forward opposed to pushing back and searching into that pressure a little bit. Because searching into the pressure is what's truly going to teach that horse not to pull back and then truly teach it to follow a feel, uh, where, whereas the click will get the horse ahead of the feel too soon, um, like a flag going down its hips or something like that. So if you cluck, if you kiss, if you bang your leg or do anything, is to get the horse to wriggle and go, what am I supposed to do? Not, I know, I'll go forward. So if any of the things that you've put in your horse means, I know, I'll go forward, then maybe I wouldn't do them. I'd actually do something that pushes your horse back a little bit. So the whole idea is um, clucking, um, maybe popping a flag is you're creating a desire and a search in the horse but the horse does, and an energy in the horse but the horse doesn't know which way to go with that energy yet. If the horse instinctively because of prior training knows that that energy means shoot forward well then then, then you probably best not use it because um, you, the horse will avoid that pullback and eventually maybe it won't avoid it when it's on a post or, or coming out of a horse float and you've accidentally left it hard tied or something like that. So that's the way I'd think of it, but it is so common that you back up feel with another driving aid back down behind the horse somewhere to make it come forward. It's so common that it's everywhere. Um, in, in, you know, it doesn't matter what country you went to, it'd be you know very common that someone puts a stick up a horse's ribs to say come forward because you didn't listen to the to the lead rope go forward. And as I say, the only problem with that is it's, it becomes like a cue. If you don't come forward, I'm gonna get you to come forward off something else. The horse didn't come forward off the pressure, it just came forward to the cue of it. Um, it, 
and and the thought that it's going to get something else push it up. So so they, those horses still pull back and um, and that's unfortunate because the, the the owners think they've got the horse leading up softly, but but the horse has still got a bad pullback in there somewhere. So horses always always need to follow the feel. Horses always need to follow the feel and trust the feel. Mm-hmm. And the only way a horse can truly trust feel is actually leaning into the boundaries of feel as well. They can, you can't just avoid the boundaries of feel. Um, so if you teach your horse to come forward, like I did a, um, a video years ago, it was um, of a young, might be one of ours that I was teaching to lead, and, and it got a few questions on it of, and I said, oh, maybe don't get your horse to follow you around at liberty before you put a holder on it or a rope on it. Um, because I know it's a nice idea to get your horse, you know, have a connection and it follows you around. I'm talking about a wild horse, you know, um, following you around and then it accepts the holder, then it sort of leads around. And, and I said, maybe it's not a good idea to do that um, because the horse will start to follow you instinctively knowing that that's a good, safe place. So when you put a lead rope on it, all you have to do is pull and step and the horse follows you and learns how to lead very quickly. Um, and... I guess people were saying, well, why not? That seems like a good idea. And I'm like saying, well, maybe one day I won't be there. And they, all that horse will have is that lead rope. So I, I, to, to, to make progress with wild horses, I found it um, as long as they could cope with me on the end of a long stick and I could touch them at a distance and they, they weren't going to jump out of the yards and they weren't completely, you know, just really sort of super, super frightened, then I'd put a rope on them and I'd do the rest with the rope because... Um, the horse would learn to come up to me through the rope um, and then when I left the horse was fully trusting of the rope and, the, and, and knew how to follow that rope um, so, so if I wasn't there that they, they'd learn to tie up quicker and things like that whereas when I had them following me around I never got to pull and ask them the question through the rope enough for them for me to be confident that they were really confident with it so sometimes um, a, a leading lesson might take 100 or 200 transitions or 300, 400 transitions. And if you've taught the horse already to follow you already, it only takes two pulls and the horse figures it out or anticipates that following you is a better idea than the pressure. So it never actually pulled a little bit or sort of searched into that pressure. It just, you know, cued into the idea that following you is a good idea. And, um, and, and, and I think it gives people the illusion that their horse is leading, but um, they're only leading to the feel of the person um, not not the rope. So, you know, this all links into, you know, using driving pressure to back up feel. It's, it's the same thing as using drawing pressure. The horse is just, maybe it, maybe we're avoiding the, 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 the conversation with the rope too much. Thank you, Mark. That was really interesting. Um, great questions from all the members and um, thank you for putting those through and we will see you very shortly, Mark. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Jenny. You can learn more from Mark online through his online training videos. Just search Mark Langley Horsemanship. There's over 380 training videos which everyone has access to with a seven-day free trial. If you like what you see, it's just $15 a month from there. That's help where you need it.